Um, we will continue with the words of life uh, this morning. So in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, this is words of life, I think it's part 4, and what we're talking about is this, is that in Genesis it says over and over and over and over again, and God said, and then whatever he said, it was, right? And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God said, and God said, and God said, and it was, and it was, and it was. And then it gets down into verse 26 and says, and you, man, was made in the image and likeness of God, a spirit with the capability to speak words like God did, and what you know, one of the things that we've talked about, I think it was Bill Winston, but I, I think I saw uh, Keith Moore quoted this this week too. He said the words we use them mostly for communication, but by design, words were more given to us as a primary um, action for creation. Creation is a stronger priority on our words than even communication, you know, back and forth between us. Because the Lord created you to be like him, to move like him, to take his blessing. He was saying, blessed, blessed is this, blessed is that in the garden. And the purpose then he gives to man is he says, take this blessing, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the overview, take this blessing, be fruitful, and multiply it throughout all the earth. And in another verse it says, you know, basically have rule and dominion over all my creation and how he expected us. How at that point did he act? What was, he, what was the actions that he was taking to do those things? He was speaking. He was just saying what was his will. So here's what happened. We took words. And the devil started diluting them once corruption set in. He started diluting them, diluting them, diluting them. And, and now uh, we don't believe half the stuff we say ourselves. You know, that's the where the world is. I mean, we hardly believe anything we say. You know, somebody says something, you know, and it doesn't mean anything to us. So in other words, the devil effectively, and then we played his game well, along with him is effectively he has taken one of the most important things that we've ever been given and he has brought it down to a level that is worth practically nothing. Well, just because that's happened doesn't mean that we as a Christian need to leave it like that. We need to see what is the will of God and then be about his will. Just because he's taken something, the devil has effectively taken it and turned it bad. Well, we're here to turn things good. That means we pick up what God wants and then we start doing that. And so we talked about that, you know, we, whatever we believe in our heart and speak with our mouth, it shall be so. This is throughout the whole word. Then we talked about that God told us, choose life. Choose life. And then he told us in Proverbs, that was in Deuteronomy 30, 19, but in Proverbs it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, we make our choice for death or life where? Right here. Right here in what we say. And then uh, what words are we supposed to choose? We choose his words. 
We, you know, uh, we should see it. Our, is our life given for Christ? If it's not, it should be, right? Because if he gave his life for us, then he should reap this life. In other words, if Jesus truly is my Lord, then I'm not making the decisions anymore. Who's making, if Jesus is my Lord, who's making the decisions? Jesus then do I have a right then to make a decision about what words come out of my mouth or should I give that right to God? I should give it to Him. All right, then what words do I need to be putting in my mouth? The words He says. I'm just speaking for Him. And this simplifies things. It makes things so much easier. But, and then we talked about that we are accountable for unproductive words. We're accountable for every idle word, for unproductive words. And then we talked about the fact that words set a course for our life. In other words, if I'm over here and I don't like this place and this is an ungodly place and godliness is over there, then all I need to do is I need to start choosing life with my words and my words will set a course for that place. All right. So now... Wouldn't it be something if the devil could somehow get us to steer that ship constantly towards death? Wouldn't that be something if he could do that? I want to give you one of the main areas that he does that. This is not the only one by far, but man, it's an effective one. But before we do that, let's read this, Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. This is such a powerful, powerful... Uh, what do you want? Do you want death or do you want life? Do I have any takers for death in here? Anybody want death? I mean, we could probably accommodate you. There's, yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants death? You all want life? Okay, now let's read this verse. I just wanted to check before we read it. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Now let me just clarify this. The mind set on the flesh is death. And the mind set on the spirit is life. Flesh, death. Spirit, life. Good? <laughs> it's really simple. But how many times do we spend time thinking on things in the world, thinking on corrupted things, thinking on the flesh and its desires, thinking on all that kind of stuff? And so when we think on those things, what's the course that's being set? Death. But when we think on God and His things, what's the course that's being set? Life. Life. Amen. This, you know, that's really simple. How many, time, how many people have heard that verse before? Probably a bunch, right? How many of us are thinking always on spiritual things? But we've heard that verse before, so why aren't we doing it? See, we've got to be intentional with what we think on. We've got to be intentional with words. 
Here's why words set the course. When Abraham, you can go over and back up a few chapters of Romans 4, it says that before Abraham had any kids, God called him and told him to call himself the father of many nations. Well, I'm the father of many nations. Well, how many kids you got? None. But I'm the father of many nations. How many kids you got? Zero. But I'm the father of many nations. Now see, inside of them there was death. But God said, use your words to start thinking on life, on spiritual things. 25 years later, the son of promise was born. See, you got death that it might have taken up in your life at this point, but you start setting your words, your words will start setting your thoughts, and all of a sudden, life springs up inside of you. Life springs up inside of you. Now, this works positive and negative. And I ask you a question, wouldn't it be something if the devil could teach us how to always say and think on deathly things? That would just be a scandalous, awesome plan for him, right? Well, all right. Well, here's, look, there goes the super kid. <laughs> Miss Deb's like, don't look in there. They're doing important stuff. We're like, all of us are like, I want to go play. It's important stuff. They're having fun. The joy of the Lord is our strength, amen? amen. It's good to laugh. It's good to receive that joy. It's good to be like a kid, especially when it comes to God. So how about this? Have you ever, anybody ever here had trouble memorizing like long passages of scripture? Anybody ever had trouble with that? Right. Isn't it funny how people that have the hardest time, all you know, anybody, has a hard time memorizing something, let a song come on the radio. All of a sudden, we'll be like singing every word. We just know it. We know every word of that song. I mean, you know, we just, we got it, right? But we can't memorize anything else, but let a song come on. All of a sudden, we'll be singing right along with them. A lot of people don't want us to be singing along with them, but we'll be singing anyway. Luke, and this starts early. Like the other day, Luke is in the shower, and, and he's singing in there. I'm like, now where did he get that from? Because I don't sing in the shower. I don't think. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't recognize it. Do I sing in the shower? Good. That's good. Do you? No. <laughs> where did he get it? I don't know. But, you know, there's a, we were talking in the class this morning in thankfulness. The Lord wants to write a song on our heart, a melody of thanks. And Ephesians 5 talks about it. 5, 18 through 20, right in there. we got a song on our heart. Well, the devil wants to hijack that thing and counterfeit that thing. And wouldn't it be something if uh, the devil could feed us some words somehow that we would remember every single one of them and actually then quote and confess them all day long. And even if we don't agree with them, they would set the course towards death. Let me just read you something. This is uh, 1993. This, this particular song, I really love the sound of it. I, you know, have you ever heard this? I don't like the words. I just like the beat. The beat's what the devil's using. <laughs> he, he's trying, you know, he's not necessarily in the beat, but he's trying to catch you in any way that he can. And if he can get you, to, if he can catch you with a beat and then get you singing songs, you know, like, this one song, 
I'm a loser. I'm a loser. What? Say it loud. Baby. Baby. Uh, how come you know that? Because we all sang it. So why don't you kill me? Oh, that sounds just joyous. Hallelujah, right? Song stuck in our head. Words stuck in our, stuck in our head. Song comes on, the beat comes, comes on. What do we go right to? So why don't you kill me? And our words are made for creation. Our words are for creation. Now look, look, think about this now. How many people have sang that song? Man, I used to shout it. I used to shout it. That's in 1993. He hadn't changed his tricks. Look, in 2010, this was in the top 10 for the whole year. This is the words in it. Some of you know this song. I want your ugly. He's talking, talking about the person that they're dating. I want your ugly. I want your disease. Anybody know what song is already? Yeah. <laughs> I want your ugly. I want your disease. I just picked some random songs. This is all over the place. I want your horror. I want your design because you're a criminal as long as you're mine. I want your psycho. I want you in my rear window. And then when they have a boyfriend that keeps stalking them, they're like, well, why does he keep bothering me? <laughs> You've been confessing it. You've been creating it for years, singing along with a song. Wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't that be just scandalous if the devil could get us to confess our own horror, our own diseases all the time, and we would just confess it and create it? And even if we don't believe it, we would set the course of our life towards that he's like look I'll just play it on the radio and I'll just watch myriads of lemon, lemmings sing along and confess their own death because here's the thing we're not talking about well I sing it but I don't believe it and you gotta have confession and belief in your heart for those things to happen well that's true but if you keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it what do you start thinking on your subconscious is powerful the devil's very aware and God's well aware which is why he created it this way but at some point we've got to be wise with what the Lord's given us and what he's given us is the ability to create and we've got to choose life or choose death and we choose it by our mouth death and life are in the power of the tongue same thing he did in 1993 he did in 2010 the devil did he just used the stuff that God already put in place and he used it against the people that didn't know any better and he said, the word says that we are gone into captivity for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of understanding. See, all of a sudden, we don't understand the power of words. We don't understand the power of creation we have inside of us made in the image and likeness of God. So we just sing along. Just sing along. I love the joke, you know, you play a country song, play it backwards. You get your house back, your car back, all that stuff, <laughs> you know. There's a bunch of songs we don't need to be singing to. 
Hey, listen, there's songs, there's songs in church. I can, we got one on the computer right now. I said, don't you ever play that song in here again, ever. He gives and takes away. No, no, no. Who said he gives and takes away? The Bible says that somebody said it, but it wasn't God who said that. That was somebody that later, it was Job that came back. And, and in Job, in that chapter, when they're trying to figure out what in the world happened, and at the end of the book, he says, you said stuff, I, you don't even know what you're talking about. God's not, God's not the kind of person that says, here, here you go, psych. He doesn't give and take away. He just gives. So if we sing that, man, this, I love, I hate that that line is in that song. Because other than that, man, the beat's good, the rest of the words are good, but that one line. And look, as a pastor, as a shepherd, I'm not going to have you confessing over your God that he gives and takes away. Why? Because he don't. And you start singing that, you'll start believing. Well, you know, he gave to me, but now he's taking it away. You'll be confessing that as doctrine in just a few months. Mm -mm. There's another song came out, and, and man, oh golly, everybody loved it. And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> See, and that's the way we feel every time it comes on. Man, the world ate it up. Guys going through a problem. His son's sick. Lord, can you hear me? He sang a lot better, which is why I got popular. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're asking my God that loves you with an everlasting love, willing to give his son for you, if he can hear you? Man, you might as well just run God up in front of a tribunal and just stuck some cuffs on him and slapped him around. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. See, and then people say, oh, that's on the Christian radio, so I'll just sing it. Can you hear me? And all of a sudden, what are we setting our course to? And even if we don't believe it, we're putting it in our mind. And you're, setting, you, you're talking about a character and nature of God that's completely opposite of God. And you're putting it in your mouth and now that's entering into your mind. And you're talking about something the opposite of God is death. And so what are we putting in our mind? Death and the mind set on the flesh or the stuff that's opposite from the spirit. The spirit and the flesh always war together is death. And then we wonder, man, how did I get in this situation? How come I don't feel like God can hear me? I feel like my prayers are going nowhere. You've been confessing it and creating it over your life. It works in the positive the same way it works in the negative. But here's the thing. Words set a course. Even if you don't believe it at first, keep saying it, and you will eventually. This works for positive and negative. Let's turn to Mark chapter 11. And verse 12. Now see, in Romans chapter 4, it talks about Abraham that I've already told you. He didn't have any life in him. Sarah didn't have any life in her. But they kept saying, he's the father of many nations. He's the father of many nations. He's the father of many nations. You know, and, and, and even Sarah, you know, 
she's going, he's the father of many nations. Well, what's that mean for her? If he's the father of many nations, you're going to have to be the mama. So life was coming to her too. She was saying it, thinking on it. Guess what comes up? Life. Life in those words. You, know, you, you can just say it. You've been dealing with, how about you've been not sleeping good? All right. Well, I just, I ain't slept good in forever. I don't get any sleep at night. Well, keep, don't keep saying it. Set a course. Set a course. Man, I sleep like a baby. Wake up, wake up in the morning and you feel like junk. You hadn't slept good at all. You wake up and you start praising God because God is faithful. I sleep like a baby in Jesus' name. Uh, he has given his beloved rest. It's in the word. If you don't know it, it's in Psalms 127. He says he has given his beloved rest. I, I'm his beloved. He is faithful. I sleep like a baby. I sleep like a baby. Tell, tell the, if nobody else, tell the devil about it. You know, praise God for it and tell the devil about it. Rebuke him. Get off my sleep. I sleep like a baby. S create something. Set a course. Put it in your heart. Put it in your mind. Set a course. Mark 11 and verse 12. Jesus and his disciples, they were going over the earth doing good stuff. It says on the next day when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, which meant there was leaves on the tree. That's Greek for leaves on the tree. And uh, he went to see. <laughs> I got myself tickled. Sorry. <laughs> he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Now, I don't know about you, but before I've had some issue with that. I'm like, look, it wasn't even the season for fruit. And why is he cursing that tree? Well, hold up, hold up, time out. Who said he cursed it? Later on, his disciples said one of his disciples said he cursed it but Jesus didn't say that God didn't say that they might have had a misunderstanding about what was going on we've just taken that and said oh he cursed it no nope. then you can say well why did he curse it it wasn't even the season for figs well hold on you know a lot of times we're operating in stuff we don't know there's a whole bunch of stuff we don't know. I remember Brother Hagen, uh, I think it was, uh, the, uh, Jesus showed up in a vision to him, started talking to him, and Brother Hagen had some revelation, right? I mean, he had some revelation. And Jesus came up there, and he said, you need to see, he said, this is what I am, and this is what you are, and I think, I don't remember exactly what the topic was right off, right off the bat, but I, anyway, and Brother Hagin said to Jesus, he said, now, he said, Jesus, I know that we are supposed to confirm anything that we see in a vision with your word. And if what you just said to me is in the word, I don't know about it. And Jesus said, Brother Hagin, there's a whole bunch of stuff about me you don't know. <laughs> and he, he went, oh, and then he told him three verses, uh, three or four verses to go to and showed him what was in there. And you know what? There's a whole bunch of stuff that we still don't know. And if you think you know a whole bunch of stuff, just hang around because we'll find out together. We don't know as much as we think we know. Amen? 
Well, here's one of these things. I heard a preacher say this one time. He says, one thing we ought to get out of this is, when the king comes walking by, let there be fruit on me, whether it's season or not. Well, that's good. That's good revelation right there. Well, I'm not ready. He's the king. He's the king. King Jesus comes walking by, let there be fruit on me. He's the king. He deserves that. He deserves fruit. Here's the other thing. See, we're looking at this from our perspective because we understand seasons. But see, when God creates stuff, he creates them to produce. It said, let, he said in the garden, let every tree produce after its kind. He didn't give it seasons. So how do we know, and I'm not saying that we do or not, don't, but I'm just going to pop a question and give this question to you. How do you know that the curse didn't have an effect where trees stopped producing all the time and now they only produce in season? How do you know that seasons weren't a part of the curse? See? There's a lot of stuff we don't know. We don't know if that's true. You can't prove to me if it's true. You can't really prove to me if it's right. I believe it's probably true because when he said let it produce, that's an ongoing producing. Same thing. In other words, it, it bothered Jesus, did it not? Obviously, this is not something that's supposed to happen. There was a curse operating in that tree. And what he did was that curse had been operating in that tree. In other words, what he was saying effectively is any man or woman, any human being ought to walk up to that tree at any time and go, give me some fruit. So he was recognizing in that tree there was a curse in operation. And he said, let no fruit be ever had from you again. Let me read it directly the way he said it. He said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. In other words, Pastor Tracy said this, and this is something, man, this is... This is what I prayed when I saw blind eyes healed. Was he brought, he didn't curse the fig tree because God's not really in the cursing business. He's in the blessing business, not in the cursing business. We've assumed that he cursed it because we've been thinking out of what we know. But we weren't in the garden when he said, produce after your kind. We weren't there. We can see some and we can read about it, but we're thinking out of our mindset and we're thinking very laterally in the box of what we know. Jesus, who was there in the garden, said this. Hey, I'm expecting fruit to be on you, and now there's not. I see that there is a curse operating in you. Let me bring the curse to an end in you so that no man who's created in my image and likeness will be fooled by you acting like a tree again. Because right now you're not a tree, you're a cursed tree, and I'm going to bring the curse to an end in you. Let no man eat fruit from you again. Well, that's big stuff because then when you walk up to somebody and they got symptoms of a curse operating in their body and you speak no more curse being you, you're drawing that curse out of them so that they can be free. And just to give you an example, that's the story when I was up in New Hampshire and preaching to the full gospel businessmen, a blind guy, you know, and I walk up and I said, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And he didn't do that. He said, hey, how you doing? <laughs> He just, he just stood there. He didn't even do that. I was like, man, this guy's really blind. 
He can't even see me standing in front of him, not even shake. And then I preach, you know, some message that's on life, you know. You know I preach like overflowing life, and, and he wanted prayer because he was blind. I don't know where he gets that from anyway. So he asked for prayer because he's blind. I did what Jesus did, what you want me to pray over. And there was a part of me going, man, I wanted to pray that my blindness would be healed. And there was a part of the flesh that was going, don't let them say blindness. Because you're in front of everybody now. You done preach like this was real. And we're about to find out if you believe that it's real or not, preacher. So there's flesh and the spirit warring in me. But I know what to do with the flesh. I was like, mm, tell me, what you want me to pray over? He said, well, I can't see. I'd like to see. I said, amen. I prayed. In English, blessing of God, be, be healed. And uh, can you see anything? No. Nope. Anything different? No. Nope. It's like, hmm, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> that's not what I wanted to happen. Well, I said, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. I got another language. Hold on. Let me pray in the spirit. So I prayed in the spirit. Prayed in the spirit. Back up. How you doing? Uh, nothing changed. Hey, it's not what I want. I said, hold on one second. Because when the people presented Jesus with a, a problem that looks like he didn't know what to do, he, he bent down and wrote in the dirt. And I think that he was probably seeking the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, what you want me to say here? And so I just said, hold on one second. I need to have a conversation with God. Lord, what you want me to say here? Like, I know you want him healed. What you want me to say? He said, I want you to bring that curse to an end in his body. Speak to that curse. Be removed. So I brought that curse to an end of his body. Boom. Just like that. He said, I see men. He said, I see there's a guy over there. It was about from here to that corner wall. He said, there's a guy up there playing the guitar. Could you see that before? Because I didn't know. I didn't think he could, but I was hoping he couldn't, but <laughs> this was progress. He said, he said, he's playing a guitar. I said, amen. Hallelujah. He said, he's still fuzzy, though. I said, well, come on, let's get some restoration. Let's get full restoration here. Prayed some more. Then he saw about from here to Super Kids. He said, and it was about halfway across the room. He said, there's a man over there about halfway across the room. Well, that tells me he could see the other side of the room as well. About halfway across the room, and he's holding a baby. Now we're getting more and more clear, and restoration just kept coming. Everybody wanted prayer then. I don't know what happened. Everybody's like, pray for me. And, man, they just, they just start popping. But what we did is we just brought an end to the curse. Because Jesus took the curse for us. Now, the God curse is gone. If it's operating, you're seeing it operating in your life. It's illegal to be there. So Jesus saw the curse operating in this tree and he brought it to an end. They were passing, verse 20, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look at the fig tree which you cursed has withered. See, Peter said that. Probably because he didn't understand what was actually going on. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Now, if you do 
your homework on this in the Greek, it says it like this. Have the God kind of faith. In other words, put on the faith of God. In other words, how does God have faith? Well, I'm about to show you. He says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. It will be granted him. Now, in one of these words of life, one of the things that we said is we got to confess and we got to speak, but just because, all right, if you, let's say that you know that it's God's will to heal you. Now, it, that is true. It is so. God wants to heal you. Uh, sickness is not of God. He will, God will take a situation and he'll use it, but he doesn't put sickness on people to teach them a lesson. He's got a lot of other better ways to teach people. One in particular that is getting demeaned when we say God puts sickness is the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher. So in other words, we're saying God can't use the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's lacking, so he put a sickness on somebody. Well, that's a slap in the face to the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, right? All right, so God, when you get to that, and get, you might not know that yet, but I can show this to you in the Word and prove it in the Word, and, and God wants you well, and he wants you healed. All right, now... As soon as you grab a, you can hear that and not believe that. You can hear it and not agree with that. You can say, no, nah, God uses sickness. He puts sickness on people. Look at the thorn in the flesh. Look at Job and all that. And, and that's not true, but that's one of those arguments. So in other words, you could hear me say that and say, I don't agree with that. Well, that's one level of belief, so to speak. But then you have the level that says, I do believe that. In other words, but what you're really saying is, I agree with that. In other words, you see, God wants me healed, and I agree. I know that he does, and I agree that that is true. But that doesn't mean that I have belief in my heart yet, that I believe he will do it. There's a difference. That's called mental assent, if you ever hear that term, mental assent. In other words, I am... I am agreeing that that's a truth. But that's a difference between faith. There's a difference between knowing something and having faith. That's what holds most people up from the miraculous and the supernatural is because they agree with it, but they're not at the place where they fully believe it yet. And then you have belief, but you read right here in this verse, it says, and you do not doubt in your heart. You can have belief and doubt going on. You remember the guy that says, help my unbelief, right? He says, I believe, help my unbelief. What he's really saying is, I believe, but I have doubts that maybe he can do it for me or will do it for me. I believe that God is a healer. I believe that he wants to, but I have doubts that he wants to do it for me. So there's several different things here that this verse talks about and lays out in there as far as faith goes. But the biggest thing that you have to do is get that choice in your mouth that says, watch this again in verse 20, or excuse me, verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt, he says to the mountain, who says to the mountain, says to the mountain, 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. He believes that what he says is going to happen. See, I can agree that God will heal and then say, Lord, body, Lord, heal me. Body, be well. But then I cannot really believe that that's going to happen right at that moment. And all of a sudden, I'm not going to have this. So a lot of times people hear this scripture and hear this teaching, and then they'll go home and they'll be like, finances be fixed, body be well, do this, do that, do that, and everything. And they're moving in the right direction, but they don't see the full manifestation of it. Remember Abraham, the father of faith? He said, I'm the father of many nations for 25 years. So don't give up. See, what people do is they'll take something home, try it, but then go, oh, that didn't work. That, that doctrine must not be true. No, the doctrine's true. It's just there's other variables. And that's what we're here to help you move through and walk through is, all right, what's, what's the hang up? What's the hold up here? How can I love on God better by believing and moving through this thing? So don't just go home, try it, and then it doesn't work one time and say, well, that doctrine's not true. No, 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 no. There's just probably more going on than what you know. But we know this to be a truth. Even if it's not working in the beginning, I keep putting my, the example of Abraham, I keep putting my mouth on it, then my thoughts will line up that way, then eventually my mental will agree, I am the father of many nations, and then my heart will believe, and I keep saying that, thinking on it, it'll push doubt and unbelief out of the way, and then one day I'll say it, and all that stuff is lined up, and I'll say, I'm the father of many nations, and all of a sudden, boom, that thing happens, and that mountain that stood in your way for all that time, it's cast in the sea, it's gone. It's gone. Because God's a good God. Is this making sense? Therefore, I say to you, verse 24, all things, how many things? All things for which you pray and ask. Believe, believe, all right, now I want you to see something very clear here. Believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. Say everything that you ask, everything that you're saying. Believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. Amen. One more clarifying thing. This is to help, to grow us, right? All right, let's say, uh, let's say Chris come up here. Let's say that Chris comes up for healing. And he's saying, I believe that God wants to heal me. Is that true? Yes. yes, God wants to heal me, right? And he says, I believe in your healing, Lord. Heal me. Now, is that scriptural or not? I see many of y'all going like, why he's asking that question? <laughs> like, this is a trick. All right, well, the devil's used this, but let's go back to the verse. Let's look at the word. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, all things when you pray, ask and believe for healing. No. That you have, that you're going to receive it. No. That I have it now. See, faith is a now thing. 
In other words, when you step up here, you're not believing for healing. You're believing that I, what your faith is going into is reception. And not reception in the future, reception in the right now. I have these things. So then you go over into Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 and it says, You have been given every spiritual gift in heavenly places. This is not something you're waiting on. You have them all right now. Healing is a spiritual gift. Finances is a spiritual gift. The blessings of God in any form or shape is the blessing is a supernatural spiritual gift. It is held in the place where there's not moth or rust or corruption. It's held in heaven waiting for a believer on earth as the ambassador to God to say, I believe I have received this already. I'm not putting faith in healing. I'm putting faith in reception. I've received this and healing is just like that and it's received and right at that moment I believe I have received see that's why when people say well I don't feel any better I, you know and and you know Jesus said hey look you remember the guy he said look look he wanted to make sure that the guy received see he'd received part and same thing with the guy I was praying for up in up uh, state he received part I wanted to receive all receive whole that means that we're not just receiving part. We're receiving whole. I have received the wholeness of his promise. So when somebody comes up, they don't need to believe in the healing. They need to believe in the fact that God loves them and in Christ they already have it. And now when we believe that way, we don't say, well, I'm waiting on my healing. Well, that's why you don't have it. We say, I'm healed. I got it. Well, you don't look it. I don't care what it looks like. Doesn't matter. God said, by his stripes, I was healed. This is an already done deal. I was healed. We're talking about stuff that's already happened. And Jesus capped it. He said, it is finished. And then when he got up out of the grave, he released resurrection power in every area of our lives. And that sealed our ability to walk in that power. Thank you. So in words of life, they can work negative or they can work positive. They can work negative or they can work positive. But our words set the course. And they'll work whether we're singing a song we don't need to be singing or whether or not we put the words of God's promises on our lips and we say the things that God wants to say. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. You know, slow to speak. In other words, we need to put a filter between something that pops in our head and what comes out of our mouth. <laughs> or what we post on Facebook. <laughs> we need to put a filter between what we think and what we say. People have been telling you all that for the years now. <laughs> People have been saying, you need to do it. People have been telling me that for years. You don't need to just say everything comes in your mind because not everything comes in your mind comes from the Spirit. You still have a corrupted flesh that's trying to overtake and overpower the Spirit because it is uh, rebellious. It was born in the curse and that part is not renewed. But the spiritual man and the mind, the spiritual man is renewed and the mind is supposed to be renewed by you, which means before I open this mouth, it'd be good for us to walk around sometimes just be like, mm, 
Make sure we got those lips closed tight. And when we want to say something, we just go, we go, mm, we'll just hold that right there. I'll speak in a minute when I, after I seek the Lord. Let me go draw in the sand for a little bit. Let me hear from God before I open my mouth and create something I don't want to create. And let me make sure that when I open my mouth, I'm creating the right thing. I'm setting the course towards the life of God. We have this right now. This is not something we're waiting on. We have this right now. You, as a child of God, and if you're not a child of God, you can be one. As a child of God, this is an authority and an inheritance that God has given you. And he showed you that that was his plan the whole time when he made you in his image. He said, look, I'm going to make you this way. I made you in my image. This is my plan the whole time. So, Lord, right now. We just ask you. Lord, help us to see the words that are happening in our life. They're setting a course. We're aware of that now. Lord, help us to see the course that those words are setting. And put the flesh down. Correct the course. Lord, give us strength to say only the words you want us to say, just like Jesus did. And be who you called us to be. And be full of life. I call for fullness of life to rise up now. In the lives and in the hearts of everyone listening. Lord I ask that the Holy Spirit would help to check us. Be our accountability partner. Help check our words. Check our words. And when we see something. We don't make excuses as to why we're saying something worldly. We just stop. And put on something else. Lord, we thank you for words of life and the ability to set the course towards God in our lives and in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.